Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Today, uh, I want to uh, help us build a bridge identify the bridge that will take us from believing into the receiving. When we are walking by faith, uh, walking confident in the promises of God, there are things, certain processes of faith that will require a time for them to play out in our lives. Uh, When we read the scriptures and we see different examples of Jesus healing people, Not every healing that Jesus um, ministered was immediate. Oftentimes people are lost in that time between when they believe it and then uh, seeing the manifestation or the full receiving of that healing. And uh, there are spiritual equippings to help us, uh, whether it's a healing or a financial promise that we're standing on or a promise of salvation for a loved one, whatever it is that we're standing in faith to receive, we don't want to lose heart in that process of time of the receiving. And when in Hebrews chapter 6, let's just look at it and I'll just follow the Spirit as we enter into this. In Hebrews chapter 6, he identifies the need uh, for patience in the receiving of a promise. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 says, We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So what are we to be diligent about? The full assurance or confidence of expectation, hope, until the end. Now, hope, Bible hope, Let's define it so that we're clear. Bible hope is not a a frustrated, hysterical, desperate hanging on. It's not the tying of the knot at the end of the rope to hang on. I hope so. If, If that's the inflection in the voice, I hope so. That inflection is an identifier. It preceded this word hope with assurance. The full assurance of hope. So Bible hope is a confident, earnest expectation. I want to give you a picture of earnest. If you have ever waited on the bus, as a child, I rode the bus in junior high, I mean middle school, junior high, high school, I rode the bus. And the bus driver was pretty on time. She was pretty diligent to be on time. As long as I got myself up and got out there to the bus stop, I would catch the bus. And because I could tell by her schedule, by her being on time, I could tell when the bus should be coming around the corner that I could see. 
I, I would be earnestly watching so that by the time she got to me, I would already have picked up my books, put my book bag on, whatever I needed to do to prepare to climb onto the bus, I would be ready. I, I wouldn't stand there holding all my stuff the whole time. But when I saw her coming, and so my earnest looking for her, my earnest expectation, she's going to come around that corner and I could hear the bus in my neighborhood. I could hear it before I could see it sometime. My earnest expectation was looking. It was, it was being alert. Uh, I, I, it was being in my place. And I, and I was expecting. And I want to remind you and I, I want to remind us as a church family what God dealt with us about beginning at the end of last year. He spoke to us at the end of last year through a word that he gave our pastor. And sometimes when you get a word, you think you know what it's going to mean. But then you see it play out and you're like, oh, that's what he meant. He said, if you remember, he said, 2020, what will it hold? What started in the last four months of 2019 will flow over into 2020. The last four months of 2019 are loaded as a preparatory phase for what will begin in January the 1st. Well, I want to just testify from the person who has been aware of the financial situation of the church. I've, I've always been an administrator and an overseer in both campuses to know the details of what goes on on the big picture. And this was the first year that we went into this year with loaded bank accounts. There were times that we ended the year, I mean, just barely in the black. I mean, just, you know, believe, we're, we're faith church, and if, whether we have a, an abundance that we can see or not, we don't let it move us. And we, we just know we got to be calling for it. And so there were some years we would enter into the year calling. We, we're doing a lot of talking, calling, calling, calling for it. But this year we went in rejoicing because God did load us. And, and we were aware uh, of, of this, seeing this abundance, seeing this, this fullness, seeing not, uh, I mean, we spent all of last year with our television broadcast paid in advance. And we have continued through this year. And, and this is the first Sunday I've really preached about our Every Available Voice project. We've kind of mentioned it, but there has still been a constant supply. Our television broadcasts are still paid in advance. God loaded us. He loaded us knowing what was coming knowing what was going to happen in our nation, he loaded our church. He loaded us personally. And we're getting testimonies from people who have experienced a provision and a supply that they, they weren't expecting or, or that was a, a faithfulness of God in manifestation. And so some, when I was first hearing that, I thought it meant something different than I've seen it play out. I thought it meant that there was going to just be a continual compounding, but what it was was a, he loaded us in preparation so that we could go through the situations prepared. We could walk through things with a supply. And then he says, now, when you, when you hear, and I'm reading from our card that we have, and this is on our website, I believe, as well, and you can download it from there, uh, I think. If not, we'll put it up. Uh, this expectation, manifestation, and transformation. 
just to see the screen, to see that on uh, a, a social media uh, post or something, you think, well, that sounds like a cute word, doesn't it? Oh, expectation. going to be a year where we've really got to stand on the word and that there's going to be decisions we have to make and we need to be prepared to choose the word side and and that's all throughout this this word it's really a word uh, that should be preparing us and should should be uh, alerting us to the fact it, it's not it's really not a cute word it's really a challenging word isn't it it says this is going to be a year of decision a year when a stand will have to be made. Those who will stand for the word and stand for the principles in the word will find themselves at odds with the world and the world system more and more. There will come an even greater divide, if you can imagine, an even greater divide between what is right and what is wrong. Well, that's not fun. It's not fun to have to stand for right when, when, when the multitudes around you are going in a different direction when they're embracing something else, when they're saying, this is okay, they're saying, keep the abortion clinics open, and when they're saying, you know, what, whatever the case may be, they got commercials with, you know, same-sex marriages in them and things like that. It's not fun to have to say, I'm flipping the channel. And other people say, why'd you turn the channel? Because I'm not watching that. Oh, why are you doing that? Because I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to listen to that. And it, that's not necessarily fun, but it is still a decision that has to be made. And so when we, when we make these decisions, and even where fear is concerned, there are things that we can't enter into. There are things that, why the standard for us? When we allow the Word of God to set the high watermark and to establish our, our goals and what we're giving our time to and what we are giving our focus to, then we are going to be trusting in God. It, it is a covenant-breaking response to not trust Him. If my husband walked in and I said, where have you been? Give me your phone. I want to check your phone. Who's been calling you? Who's, uh, I, want, I want access to your email. That is violating my trust in him. That would not be respect for him. That would not be trusting him. So why would I go to God and say, you got to prove you're going to keep me. You got to show me, God. I, I need evidence you're going to keep me. Oh, my word's not enough. You can't trust me for who I am. I mean, think about how often God showed himself. And in, in, when we read the, the, the trip from Egypt to the promised land, we think, how could they even dare test God the way they tested God? How, how insolent they were. How disrespectful they were. But the same thing would be true in a believer who won't believe Him. In a believer who won't take Him at His word. In a believer who will doubt. Who will, who will fear. Why? He said, think every time God said, fear thou not. Many times it was followed up with, I am with you. It's like, hello. Why would you fear? I'm right here. Here I am. Hello. 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 I'm here. Why would you fear? I'm with you. 
you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not even kindle upon you. When you walk through the river, you shall not be flooded out. You'll not go under. Hallelujah. Why? Because I am with you. Fear thou not. I am with you. I am your God. Behold, I will hold you by your right hand. I'll hold you up. I'll keep you. Hallelujah. So trusting God is the proper protocol. <laughs> and when your feelings and your emotions are saying something else, you've got to practice disregarding them. You've got to practice responding to the Spirit of God in you, to your born-again spirit, because let me, help, let me help us all right now. If you don't hear anything else, hear me when I say this. Your born-again spirit always wants to trust. Nothing about your born-again spirit wants to fear. Your born-again spirit will always respond in trust and confidence and faith if you yield to your spirit and walk in the spirit. It's when we, and I'm what we, because this is every believer has the capacity to doubt or to fear, when we yield to the emotions or yield to the mind or yield to the, the flesh or feed on things that are promoting the fear. That's why there are things you don't watch and things you don't listen to. Because if it goes in your eyes and in your ears, it can get in your heart. We want to guard the heart above all else that we guard. We guard the heart. Above all that we guard, we guard the heart. I love how the Spanish Bible puts it as above everything guarded. Everything. Do you have a lock on your front door? How many people lock your car when you get out of your car and you go into the store? You lock your car. You lock your house at night. Right? You, you got passwords on your computer, passwords on your phone, so nobody could just pick up your phone and start using your phone. Why? It's passworded. It's guarded. We got all of these guards, but he said the most important thing to pass lock, to, pass, to, to, to password or to put a lock on, to guard, is the heart. Above any, everything else that you guard, guard that heart. Why? Because out of the heart flow the forces of life. The strength of your life is coming out of your spirit. It's coming out of your spirit. We want to always be ready to respond from our spirit. Um, if you are constantly allowing your mind to answer or choose, you're going to be in that momentum. It's going to have momentum. The mind will. If you're constantly letting your emotions make the decisions or drive the car, then they're going to have the momentum. If, if the flesh is the, is the one that is more predominantly yielded to, it's going to have a more a predominant voice. But we can choose not to let our flesh ever get over into the driver's seat. We can choose to never put our mind in the place that it makes the decision over our spirit. We can learn how to live out of the spirit so that our spirit tells our mind what our mind is going to think. So that our born-again spirit tells our emotions what our emotions are going to feel. 
Do you remember Brother Hagen told a story? He said he was uh, experiencing all of the symptoms. He had been healed for a number of years. He was already out on the field ministering and, and preaching the gospel. And this physical attack came on him at night. And he said, I felt all of the same things that I felt when my heart would stop. When I was uh, uh, on my, uh, 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 when I was in that bed, and my heart would stop. And he said, it felt the same. I could feel it. My heart was fluttering. My heart was hesitating. My heart would stop beating for a moment and then start again. He said, my, my hands started getting cold. I felt all of the same things, but he was laughing. He said, I just started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> he said, I didn't feel, I did not feel like it. He goes, there wasn't any part of my feeling that felt like it. He's, and if you hear him tell the story, he goes, har, 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 I was, I was laughing. And the thought of the enemy came to him and said, what are you laughing at? I've got you this time. I'm going to kill you this time. Har, 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 har. He just kept laughing. And, and, and the enemy, the thought came to him again. What are you laughing about? And he said, about three times, he tells the story, three times the thought came to him and he said, I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at you because you tell me I'm, I'm not going to get my healing this time. I'm not going to get it. Ha, 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 ha. Well, what are you laughing about? I've already got it. I'm laughing because I don't have to get it. I've already got it. And the enemy said, no, you don't. Look at your hands. Your hands are shaking. And he said, sure enough, I looked down and he said, my hands were trembling. Because his body, his physical body was responding to all of the symptoms, how the symptoms felt. And he said, I'm not my hands. What was he identifying? I am a spirit. And whether my hands are shaken or not, I don't fear. But his hands looked like his hands. If he had believed his hands shaking, he would have said, oh no, I really am afraid. His hands shaking weren't evidence to him that he was afraid. He had already chosen in his spirit. He chose to walk by his spirit. I'm not going to fear. I already have my healing. And even though the symptoms are there and the feeling is there and my heart is really hesitating and stopping its beating, I don't fear because I have my healing. That's, that's an indicator for you and I. That there can be things that seem real. When, when we see Jesus tell the story, it's a parable of the wise man who built his house upon a rock. I want to look at, let me see if I can find it in Matthew's gospel. I think I like the version in Matthew's gospel. He, he's talking about, it's in Luke I think as well, but let me see if I can... He is talking about the wise man who built the house upon the rock and the uh, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. He identifies uh, the storm that came against both the wise man and the foolish man. Hallelujah. You know, when you get used to seeing it, and 
Glory to God. There are descriptions of the storm. And those descriptions identify real circumstances and situations. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We've got to identify the difference between how it feels. Chapter 7 of Matthew is what I want to look at. Matthew 7. I passed by it when I was searching my first time. Matthew 7. Let's look at verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Can we compare verse 25 and verse 27? They both say the rain descended. They both say the floods came. They both say the winds blew. They both say that the winds beat upon that house. The only difference is one fell and one didn't fall. And, the, and verse 25 identifies that the reason it did not fall be, is because it was founded on a rock. The foundation is the only difference. The foundation is the difference between the falling and the not falling. The rains descended in both lives. They felt that storm. When rains fall, you can feel it. Feelings can be real and it not be true for you. you it, when the enemy attacks there are a lot of the things that we experience in this confrontation. It feels real. The symptoms feel real. The rains descended and the house could feel the storm. The floods came. So what was not, what was not touched by the rain is now engulfed in that situation. The floods came. The winds blew. The winds blew. You can not only feel wind, but you can hear it when it starts howling. You can hear the wind howl. So all of our senses can be receiving information that says we're going under. We're losing. It's not working. All of the senses can be feeling it. And notice this. It says they beat upon the house the beat blow after blow after blow after blow after blow after blow after blow beating 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 against your life with those symptoms with those thoughts with those feelings with that heaviness coming against your life coming against your life coming against your life the enemy is good at repetition. He, he likes to... Now listen, repetition is God's way. 
Repetition is God's way of getting truth in us. Well, the enemy's going to copy that. The enemy brings his same doubt-filled thoughts to tempt you with, fear-filled thoughts to tempt you with. He brings those same things over and over and over and over. But that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it true. Repetition doesn't make it true. If it wasn't the truth the first time, it's not the truth the 57th time. And it's not the truth the 567th time. It's not the truth. It's not the truth no matter how many times he says it. In, in um, I want to say maybe it was the Korean War. In one, it was maybe Vietnam, Vietnam War. Uh, they would overtake the airwaves with this woman's voice that they would transmit all over these airwaves. Her name was uh, Rose, Tokyo Rose. Thank you very much, Tokyo Rose. And it was propaganda. She was saying defeat. She was saying the, the wrong thing, but they would hear this over and over and over and over. They would fly over and drop propaganda, false propaganda. It wasn't even true. They would shower it down with all of these reports of failure and reports of defeat that weren't even true. What was that? The, the, it was to get in the mind of the soldiers. It, to get with this woman's voice, this Tokyo Rose, to get the, her voice in their mind, telling them they're not going to make it, telling them they're going to lose, telling them. And that repetition of hearing and hearing. Why? Because we are designed to believe what we continually hear. God made us that way. Faith comes by hearing. hearing. Well, if you continually hear the problem and give ear to it, then you're going to begin to have faith in the problem. We guard the heart even when there are things that you can feel. Faith can be working despite what you see or hear. It doesn't mean your faith is failing because you're seeing it. It doesn't mean you're not believing because you feel it. Faith can be working in the midst of that. We have evidence. There was a man founded on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against that house. It did not fall. It did not fall. Why? Because the foundation wasn't affected. The foundation was the Word. Jesus said, this is like the person who hears and does my Word. Hears my sayings and does my sayings. Not just hears, but hears and does. Acts on makes the decision based on what the Word said, not based on whether it's raining, not based on what the symptoms I'm feeling, not based on what the circumstance I'm facing, not based on all of the stuff that's beating against me. It can be beating against me and not be in me. Why? Because my foundation is the Word. The devil may cause you to see, feel, and hear something, but he can't make you believe something. He can't make you believe that you're going to fail. He can't make you believe you're going under. He can't make you believe you're going to die of that if you'll just choose to believe you're going to live and not die. 
If you choose to believe, you're just going to walk healed of this. He can't make you believe anything. Why? Because he can't get in your heart. He can affect what you're seeing. He can affect what you're feeling. But he can't change what you believe. That's your choice. You choose to believe. That's why we hear our pastor say that statement, I believe God. I mean, practice that. I believe God. His book, Every Day is a Faith Day, is about to come out. We've got the proof on the way to us. It's going into print. Every day is a faith day. He said, I believe God. I believe God. Where is he getting that? That's what the Apostle Paul said while the storm was still raging. They'd already thrown everything off the boat that would help run the boat. You know, they couldn't even, and they had everything. All of their sails were thrown over. All of their rigging was thrown off. They didn't have any, any uh, ropes or anything left to make that boat. What were they thinking, right? But he stands up and he says, The angel of the Lord, the Lord who, who I serve, whose I am, I am his. He said... Not one of us is going to die. So just go ahead and eat and drink and be merry. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it. I believe God. Well, the, the, the storm was still raging. The storm didn't slow down. It didn't, he didn't say that after the wind had calmed down. He didn't say that after the rain had quit. He didn't say that when the blue sky was visible and the sun was shining. And No, he said it while the wind was still howling as loud as it had ever howled. While the rain was still tormenting them with as much as it had ever come down on them. In the middle of the hardest part of that storm, he said, I believe God. I believe God. I trust God. It is possible. The devil can cause you to see it, to feel it, and hear it. You believe anything. Faith means, faith is when you refuse to change what you believe of what you can see, feel, or hear. I refuse to change what I believe. So, so the report can come. Now, this, this takes practice. You get, because it, the test isn't when you hear this message. The test is when you hear a bad report that you say, I'm not going to change what I believe. I still believe God. I still believe I'm healed. I'm not trying to get healed. I am healed. I'm not trying to get prosperous. I am prosperous. I still believe I'm fully funded. I still believe I'm fully supplied. I still believe I'm out of debt and my needs are met. I've got plenty more to put in store. I still believe that I'm always going over and never going under. I still believe I'm the head, not the tail. I still believe. Why? Because it's when that report comes. Why is the report coming? Why is the rain beating? Why is the, the uh, floods uh, uh, coming up? To try to what I believe, to get me to fall apart, to fall off my foundation. If I have a foundation, I can stand. Why? Because I'm standing on the foundation. I'm rooted on the foundation. Now, go with me to James. Because Jesus' teaching there in Matthew chapter 7 identified that it's when we are hearing and doing, not just hearing. In, in our lives as believers, we've got to be aware of mental assent. 
mental assent is the hearer who doesn't do it. Mental assent says, I believe God said that. Mental assent would say that. Mental assent said, yeah, I know that's in the Word. Mental assent would say, um, uh, I believe God can do that. Why, I'm mentally assenting. And, and Brother Hagen, and I believe F.F. F. Bosworth said something that probably sparked uh, Brother Hagen to say this, but Brother Hagen said, in his opinion, all of his years in ministry, in his opinion, mental assent is one of the greatest enemies of a believer. It's the greatest enemy to our faith. Why? Because it, it, can, it, it tries to, pretends to be faith. You can look spiritual in mental ascent, but not be acting on spiritual truths in mental ascent. Mental ascent can say, well, I know the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed. But that doesn't mean I've received it. That doesn't mean I'm believing. I can say I know the Bible says and not believe it for me. So mental ascent is tricky if you, if you aren't looking for it. You know, it, it, people, I think a lot of believers have slipped over into it and don't know they're in it because they're so used to faith talk or used to positive talk and not identifying whether, they're, whether they are in that. Do I believe that? Am I standing on that? Am I acting on it? Now, here's where the doing comes in. Because a, a hearer only, a hearer only can listen to it and listen to it and listen to it with the ear, with the outer ear, with the head even, and not get it. If it gets in your heart, it should be changing your actions. It should change your mouth and change your direction. And, and where's our proof of that? The woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. One translation says she heard people talking about Jesus. She heard of Jesus and faith came. And faith came and changed her talk because the verse previous said she was nothing better but rather grew worse. Can you imagine how many times she told people, you know, she couldn't go out in public, so she's probably telling them through the door. You know, they're standing outside at the door saying... You know, did that last treatment help you any? Oh, honey, I feel worse today than I did before I took that treatment. Can you imagine how she was rehearsing how it was worse? Because she had to tell people it was worse for it to be widely known she was worse. It, she grew nothing better, and she had exhausted all. And can you imagine how many different medical miracle treatments they had for her to try. She tried them all till she wasted all of her money. I mean, she spent all of her money on doctors who didn't help her. And every time she tried it, she got worse after the trying. She continually got worse and got worse and got worse. She's exhausted because an issue of blood for, for 12, for how, 12, did it say 12, 12 years? Can you imagine how she had no iron left in her blood? You know, she's, she's had this until she's just drained physically. Hormones, wild. Can you imagine the physical feelings that she had to have been feeling as a result of this attack against her body? She got worse and worse. Now she's financially strapped as well as physically drained. She's financially drained. 
got worse and worse, and now she hears people saying, do you see, I'm, this is all just for us. We'll find out when we get to talk to her in heaven. We'll find out. Tell me, I want to hear what stories you heard. I, I'm going to ask her that when I meet her in heaven. I want to I meet the Shunammite woman, and I want to meet this woman. I'm going to have to hunt them down. I'm going to say, show me that woman that had the issue of blood that got healed by Jesus in the crowd. Why? Because I want to know what story she heard of Jesus. Did she hear about blind Bartimaeus? I wonder, did she hear about blind Bartimaeus? Woo! Bartimaeus, blind from his birth. Jesus, in one moment, turned him from being blind from birth to being able to see. Bartimaeus is no longer blind. He's no longer blind. I wonder if she heard about the widow of Nain's son getting raised from the dead. Can you imagine the story that went about, about town when Jesus raised that boy off the casket they were carrying to bury him? And Jesus got him up out the casket. Just got him up out the casket and said, come on, you've got a mother to take care of. Work. <laughs> raised him from the dead. Can you imagine how they told I mean, uh, can you imagine that story being retold throughout town? Glory to God. She heard talk about Jesus. And she began to say something she'd never said, that we have any other evidence she said before. But the Bible says she continually said it. She kept saying, she kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. What was in her mind now? Getting worse? Was getting worse on her mind? No. It, all of the treatments that she had tried that didn't work, all of the, the leeches they'd put on her body to suck her blood, you know, that was one of the big things they did back in the day, leeches. Uh, whatever, can you imagine some of the crazy weird things that they made her drink and take and endure? And she wasn't talking about the horror of any of those treatments. She wasn't talking about how much money she had spent on each one of them until now she has no longer any money. She wasn't talking about how her physical uh, strength was gone and how she felt exhausted all the time. Now she's walking around the house talking different talks. She's talking around the house saying, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. If I just touch him as garment, I shall, I'm going to be whole. I'm going to be whole. And she's probably thinking about what she's going to do different when she's whole. I won't be stuck inside this house anymore. I won't be limited. I can go back down around the well and talk to all the other ladies. I can get around with my sewing circle again. I can get back in the book club. I can, I can get back around into fellowship. I can get, go back to the store. I can, I can, I, I, I've got all kinds of opportunities. Why? Because I shall be whole. I shall be whole. That's what she was saying. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. But it didn't stop with her just talking different. She got up out of her house. And Jesus is standing next to the ruler of the synagogue. And custom it was, you're not supposed to be. She had an issue of blood. She's supposed to warn everybody, I'm coming. Unclean, unclean, unclean. She instead is more focused on, I shall be whole if I can just touch the hem of his garment. He doesn't have to stop for me. He doesn't have to speak me. doesn't have to lay hands on me. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. That was her point of contact. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Where do we see her faith? The foundation of the word. Where do we see it? We see it in what she said, and we see it in what she did. She came after the word. She came and to press through the crowd.
to touch the hem of his garment. Why? Because she, because she kept saying, I shall be whole. So faith in the heart's going to get in the mouth, but it's also going to propel us to make our decisions to act in line with what we believe. When I was believing God to come out of debt, one of the things he asked me is, what are you going to do differently when you're out of debt? He was trying to get me to think differently. And I hadn't even thought about it at that time. But the Holy Spirit asked me, what are you going to do differently when you get out of debt? What would I do differently? Well, I would shop differently. That was what came to me. Because up until that time, we only bought what we were out of. I mean, we, we ran out and then went and bought it. We did not buy toilet paper till we were on the last roll. We did not buy uh, shampoo until we were squeezing air. We did not buy toothpaste until we had crinkled that tube up as far as we could crinkle it. I, and that's, I mean, we waited until we were out and in need for it before we went and bought it. And I, I, my response to the question the Lord asked me is I would shop different. If I had money, I would have, I would have toilet paper in stock. I'm so glad today because <laughs> I have not been in need. I, I odor it stock I would have pantry I would I would have things not just when I ran out of them not just living from paycheck to paycheck not just buying things because I, I don't have any in the house but buying things because I know we use toothpaste every day twice a day if not more we use toothpaste all the time so why not make sure I have two or three extra tubes in the cabinet so that when we run out, I'm always got a supply. Why not make sure? I use deodorant every day. Aren't you glad? Why not go ahead and buy deodorant every month so that you know you have a supply of deodorant? Just, just make it a recurring thing. It changed the way I thought. I had to start doing things in line with what I was believing. James chapter 1, are you there? James chapter 1, verse... 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now, when you read that, you think, what is he talking about? Superfluity. I, I've never used that outside of the King James Version. I, I mean, I've never in my, my actual, you know, conversation with people say, oh, the superfluity I've experienced this week. So I'm going to help you. Superfluity is a word that means residue. Something that's left over from before you were converted, before you were saved. So he says, lay apart. The word filthiness means things that defile or dishonor. Lay aside anything that would dishonor. Lay aside anything that would defile. Now you would say, well, now I'm saved. What, what would that mean? Well, when I first got saved, I had to lay aside cussing because I was saved, but I was just saved. And, and, and cussing was something I had learned until I was skilled at it. And it was a part of my vocabulary. And I had to learn that's not in my vocabulary anymore <laughs> and take those words. Out. I, had to lay, I had to lay those words aside. 
And, and that, that was an immediate thing I was recognizing. But there were some other things I had to lay aside. I had to lay aside worry. If you read my first book, Pressure No Problem, I talk about the fact that I was skilled in worry. I was a professional worrier. You know, I, I, I was good at worrying. I'd done it. I'd practiced it a lot. I had to lay it aside. And I had to learn how, why? Because that would defile who I am today. There are, there are things that other people do around us that would defile us. And I'm not just talking about what is apparent of cussing or, or dressing provocatively or, or, or being things that, are, things that you know are not holy. I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about wrong emotions. The way I interact with my husband who is saved and I'm saved is different from the way I interacted with, with my, my late husband who was not saved and I wasn't saved and we cussed and we fought and he hit me and I hit him. He always hit me first. He always hit me first and I would wait till he was asleep and hit him. Because I, I, it didn't, otherwise it would, and, and it was not good. But I don't interact with that. I tried one time interacting that way. I mean, we were just married, and, and I thought he was, I thought pastor was going to hit me. You know, we were just first married, and we were disagreeing about something, and, and his voice hit a certain level, and I thought, okay, fists are about to fly, and I just leaned back on the bed and kicked him right in the mouth. I had to lay aside the kicking in the mouth. That, that would defile my marriage if I was to continue interacting. And I found out how sanctified he was, too. Because he just stepped back and turned around and walked out of the house. And I, that was not what I expected. I, I was expecting things are going to break. We're about to break furniture. We're about to throw whatever can be thrown in the house. That's what I was used to. That was the lifestyle I had come out of. I had never had an interaction. I'm like, where did he go? We just got started. I can still see out of both eyes. What are you talking about? I can still hear him. Now, my my eardrums, there were times that I I got black eyes. There were times that I got uh, busted eardrums in in my first marriage. And I was not expecting this man just step back. <laughs> he was so shocked. He said later, he said, I can't believe she did that. He, he went to his mom's. He said, Mom, she kicked me in the mouth. I can't. And his mother, I love her. She said, what did you do to her? <laughs> I had to lay that aside. That could not continue in my sanctified marriage. And he forgave me. I repented, he forgave me, and we learned how to disagree agreeably in a sanctified way. I had to learn that that was something that was from my previous conduct. It was filthiness. It was a residue left over from who I was before Christ, and I could not bring that into my life in Christ. And so y'all know a whole lot more about me than you did before you. That was worth getting up and combing your hair and tuning in this morning. Lay it aside, lay it apart, lay apart 
filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So receiving the word, receiving the word, but you be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now this is a warning. It's, it's in a form that's a warning. But you be doers and not hearers because it's possible for people to slide over into that hearing only part. That's mental assent. That hearing only yeah, I know God can keep me. I know a thousand shall fall at my side. I mean, you can even hoop with it. A thousand at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but then not believe it, not act on it. This warning is to the hearer to not stop at the hearing. We need to be hearers, absolutely hearers, but hearing is not the end all. It, faith comes by hearing, but it's not acted on by the hearing. Faith without works is dead, inactive. You can have faith and you can have it coming to you and faith can be coming and faith can be coming, but then for me to bring into manifestation what I have faith for, I've got to act on it. And that can be thinking for me when he was talking about coming out of debt, I had to start thinking about what I was going to do differently thinking about how much money I wanted to start saving when I'm not having to spend it all on credit card debt. I had to start a plan. I had to start planning. I had to start seeing things different. I had to start seeing myself spending money differently. Why? Because now I'm not going to be just everything that comes in goes back out. Now I need to be responsible and wise and how can I prepare for my future with this instead? So this acting on the Word is not always something that you can... It, it, it doesn't mean going out and writing hot checks. That's not acting on the Word. Hot checks isn't acting on the Word. That's illegal, right? So, but we can start planning. We can start preparing. We can start saying, I'm going to pay this off. We can call it call, paid off. We can call it out of debt, right? I can be acting on it with thanksgiving. I can be acting on it by thinking about it differently. I can be acting on it by talking about it differently. So doers of the word is the instruction. Be a doer. Be a doer. We've got to make sure, am I a doer of this word? One of the things that uh, we have been emphasizing is joy. Am I a doer of that? Am I a doer of joy? Am I joying? Lily looked at us the other day. And uh, she, was, she said, thank you, Lord, for my new house. And she said, I am thankfuling. <laughs> so it's a new verb in our house. We are thankfuling. She's heard us go around saying, thank you for our new house. Thank you for our new house. And she is enjoying her new house, too. And so she said, I am thankfuling, too. I'm thankfuling. <laughs> thankfuling. It, it was a verb for her. That's, that's being a doer of the word, though. Being rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's being a doer of the word. Hallelujah. Be a doer. Be a doer. So we've got to identify, am I a doer? That's my foundation. That's going to make the difference between whether my house falls or doesn't fall. The foundation is what I'm doing. It's what I'm believing and doing. And then it says that the person who is a hearer only is deceiving themselves. The mental assent, 
the doer, the, the hearer only that's not doing what they hear, they're hearing it and they think the hearing is enough. But if I hear it and I don't do it, I haven't honored God. Because he said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? So there are people saying, oh, Jesus is Lord, but I don't act on what he says. Why, why, why call ye me Lord, Lord? Why you, you're saying it, you're hearing it in your mind, it's mental assent, but you're not acting out. And there was a parable he told about uh, two sons. And the father had given an instruction and the first son said, I'll do it right away, I'll do it. And he went out and he decided not to do it. And the second son said, I'm not going to do that. But then he went out and changed his mind. Which one, he said, gave the most honor? Which one, which one honored? The one that changed his mind and said, I'm going to do what my, my father asked of me. I'm going to do what he said. Why? The, the doing is the honor. The acting in line with what the word says is honor. Hallelujah. So... Hearers only are deceiving themselves. And they think, well, why isn't it working for me? Why don't I have it? Well, if I'm hearing only, then I haven't completed the full faith process. There was a, a man that the Apostle Paul was preaching. And this man was in the congregation. And the Apostle Paul could see. The Apostle Paul could sense and recognize you have faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. He had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. Did you hear me? He had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. Why? Because he hadn't acted on it. And the Apostle Paul had to give him something to initiate, to activate, to act on his faith. And when he acted on the faith, faith had come because he had been hearing Faith was there because he'd been hearing, but he wasn't receiving yet because he hadn't acted on it. He had to act on it. The man of God gave him something to act on, and when he, when he acted on it, that's why uh, often if you'll, you'll watch uh, different healing ministries, when Sister Annie was here, uh, Annie Durant, uh, she was following the example of what Brother Hagen had taught is when he would pray for somebody, he would tell them to do something. Now do something you couldn't do before. Now act on it. Why? Because there were some, some things that, that action, and, and he would say, the more you do it, the more you can do it. The more you do it, like if they were getting prayed for their shoulder, the more you, the more you do it, the more you can do it. The first time, they're like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, wait, I can do it. The more you do it, the more you can do it. Why? Because the acting on what you're receiving is what's going to, to be the next stage of the, of the faith. Hearing is just the first stage. We've got to hear it, but then we've got to do what we're hearing. If the woman had just, if the Mark 5 woman had just sat in her house and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. But if she never got out of her house, if she never went to where he was, if she never made the reaching out of her hand to make the effort to touch the hem of his garment, if she had just done the saying and not the acting, she would not have received. 
Jesus could feel the power leave him. When she touched the hem of his garment, such a power surge came out of him, such an anointing release was recognizable to the Lord that he stopped and he said, somebody touched me. And they're like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Everybody's touching you. We're in a crowd and they're pushing from every direction. No, no, y'all don't understand. Somebody touched me with faith. Somebody's acted on their faith and they've got something. I want to know who got it. Who got it? Who got healed today? And the woman came. She knew it. She knew she was healed. She came forth and, and began to tell it. Why? Because she had acted on her faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in James chapter 1 and verse 24, it says, uh, verse 23, If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he can see himself. He can see the details. He can see what needs to be done. He can see it. But he goes his way and straight away forgets what manner of man he was. He forgets what he saw. Why? He was just a hearer and not a doer. But whoever looks into... Now it's talking... When it says a glass, it's talking about a mirror. In, in that time they would have glass that was... Uh, it, it not quite as clear of a mirror as we have in this day and age, but it was a, a type of a shaded glass where you could see your reflection in. And so when it says he could see his reflection in there, he could see in the Word who he is in Christ. He could see in the Word, I am the healed of the Lord. He could see in the Word his calling, his full, full destiny. He could see it in the Word, but then without acting on it, it was a reflection that he, he saw, but then he walked away and forgot what he saw. Why? Because he didn't act on it. He didn't act on, I'm healed in Christ Jesus by his stripes. He didn't act on, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He didn't act on it. And so he forgot what he once saw. Jesus was teaching. Let's compare this to what he said in Mark, uh, uh, Mark 4. I think I like Mark 4's version here. Mark 4, 24. He said to them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that has to him shall be given, and he that has not from him shall be taken even that which he has. The context of this is hearing the context is hearing he starts out by talking about the parable of the sower and the, the context of the parable of the sower is hearing but not just hearing the parable of the sower all of them heard all of the grounds heard the wayside soil heard the, stone, the, the stony ground heard, the thorny ground heard. They all heard it, but only one of them kept what they heard. Only the good ground brought forth. It says that received, heard it and received. Can we compare the, the word there? All of them heard it, but when we get down to verse 20 of, of Mark 4, it says, these which are sown on good ground, such as 
hear the word. Now that's, that's what happens in the person who hears it in James 1, hearing the word and receives it. Receives it. Well, that word receive in the original language means to take it with the hand. To take it with the hand. I take that. That moves me past mental assent. Now it's mine. Now I'm the healed of the Lord. Now by His stripes I am healed. I am no longer saying, I know the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, by His stripes I will. Now I moved it over into my possession. I am healed by His stripes. I've received it. I've taken it and, and I've made it mine. I've taken that promise and now it's my promise. Oh, you got one like it? Well, it's not. I got one. I got a promise. I got that promise. You got 1 Peter 2.24? I do. I own it. It's mine. It's in my possession. And I'm not giving you mine, but I'll give you one you can have for yourself. Here's your 1 Peter 2.24, but I'm not going to let go of mine. This one belongs to me, and it pertains to me, and it is what qualifies me to be the healed of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Do you see the, the, the difference in just hearing it? But then hearing and receiving. That's why uh, there are times you'll hear some of us say, uh, uh, that happens to me all the time. You'll hear somebody say, maybe from the audience, from the, the congregation, that happens to me all the time. Why? Because decree a thing, it shall be established to you. That's what Job says in verse chapter 23. Decree a thing, it shall be established to you. If I say, uh, uh, God brought me out of debt and, and His blessing is upon my life and I'm blessed going in and blessed coming out, me too, that happens to me all the time. Praise God. Why? Because I'm, I'm receiving that. I'm taking it. That belongs to me. Now that promise is not just something that God promised to other people, to, the, to a general audience. Now that's something personal. I shall be whole. Do you see how she took it personal? I shall be whole. Now it's my foundation. Now it's what I'm acting on. So in the, the good ground, they go beyond just the hearing. They go to hearing and receiving and, and hearing, making it their personal possession and bringing forth fruit. Well, it's got to be growing in you unhindered until a fruit-bearing stage. You've got to move past the, the, the seed being planted in the ground, the seed just peeking up above the ground, the stalk forming the vines forming on the stalk or the corn in the ear, and then there's, there's got to be full corn in the ear. Isn't that what it talks about in this process later on in this chapter? So he's talking about hearing and keeping it in your possession, and that means I've got it in my heart, and I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about it, I'm acting on it, I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about it, I'm acting on it, I'm meditating on it day and night, I'm, I've got it in my mouth day and night, I'm moving everything I can move in the direction of that answer, I'm moving in the direction of that truth, I'm, I'm leaning towards it, I'm, I'm, I'm making my actions correspond with who it says I am. When, when um, I was believing for Pastor Philip still to be my husband. I, 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 went, I was just learning how to believe God. And I went to the Word to try to get as many different things I could do to move myself in that direction. 
And one thing I did was I called myself, not in front of anybody else, but just in my own. I would be in prayer and I would say, thank you, Father, that my name is Michelle Jean Steele. My name is, I'm a good Southern girl, you know, got to have a, a Michelle Jean. Uh, Michelle Jean Steele. And I, I started calling myself, while I was still Michelle Cosby, I was calling myself Michelle Steele. Michelle Jean Steele. My name is, and I would stand on my Bible. I put my Bible on the floor and say, Father, I'm standing on your word. Now, don't do that if God isn't directing you to it. There's no formula in that, but he directed me to stand on his word. So I put my Bible on the floor, put my feet on top of it and said, I stand on your word. I can have what I say. And I say, my name is Michelle Jean Steele. I was doing everything I could to lean into that. I would, I would practice writing my name, you know, Michelle Steele, practice that big S. But one thing that the Lord directed me, I was, I was still single, you know, and uh, had my, my children. I just got custody of my children back. And God began to deal with me. There was a young man who also went to our church who was interested in me, who lived in the same apartment complex that I lived in. And everybody said, well, just get a ride with him. Just get a ride with him. When I first got into this apartment, uh, it was because he had known some people and said, yeah, tell it because the church helped me get into the apartment. And, and so um, everybody said, well, you could just ride to church with him. But I'm believing to be Mrs. Michelle Jean Steele. Why would I be in a car with a man that I don't expect to be married to? If I was married, I wouldn't be in the car with him. And some people looked at me like I was strange. When, how come you're not riding with him anymore? I, how could I explain? Because I believe this other man is going to be my husband. I, I couldn't explain it to them. I, I just had to say, I didn't think it was appropriate for me to ride in the car with him. I'm not married to him. And so I asked a couple uh, uh, from the church who came by that direction, if they would swing a, a couple of blocks out of their way to, to pick me up. And they said, yeah, they were glad to do it. Uh, uh, Brother Allen and his wife would swing by and pick me and my children up for church on Wednesday. And we had church uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So all four days of the week, they're swinging by to pick me up for church. And, and we're going to church and, and riding. And, and people were like, why isn't she riding with him? Because in my heart, that would go against my faith. I'm a married woman in my heart. I believed I'd received. I believed I received. And so why would a married woman be in the car with another man? I, my, that was my faith action. Now, I didn't broadcast that. I didn't tell anybody else my reasoning. But I was acting on my faith. And I am today Mrs. Michelle Jean Steele. I was bringing forth fruit. So the hearer needs to receive the word and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. So that, in my reading of the Bible, could mean based on how I am giving my attention. And I, this is why I say that. Go back with me to verse 24. Take heed what you hear. With what measure you measure, it will be measured to you. So if you get a 30-fold, it's because you've been giving 30-fold attention. 
Did he say, with what measure you measure, it will be measured to you? So in the natural, if you went out and you sowed a teaspoon of tomato seeds, you're going to get what harvest could come from a teaspoon of tomato seeds. But if you go out and you sow two cups of tomato seeds into the ground, you're going to get a larger harvest based on the measure you measured, based on the meat you meated, based on what you sowed. Well, if you sow 30-fold attention to the Word, you're going, that's all you can reap from it. Based on the, it says, with the measure you measure, it shall be measured. So it's not God saying, 30 for you, 60 for you, 100 for you, start all over. 30 for you, 60 for you, 100 for you. Like he's going down, going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It's not God who is determining whether I get 30, 60, or 100. It's my heart. It's my ground. It's my attention. It's my ability and desire. The measure that I measure. The Amplified, if you read this verse in the Amplified, it says... The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will determine the measure of revelation and understanding you receive in return. That helps me. That helps me. The measure of thought and study you give or focus. If, if, you, if we have to dig through weeds of fear and weeds of doubt and weeds of what the news said and weeds of what the doctors report, weeds of whatever, to get to our harvest, it's choking our harvest. And e even though we're trying to keep it, if I have, there were some, some things that I quit listening to because I had to waste too much time casting the imagination down that they caused. It, it, I would find myself having to deal with that before I could get into faith. You know, I'm, it, it's not, it, it, it is not for me a, a case of feeling under condemnation if I listen to certain things. Let's say country music. I was raised in Nashville. I, I don't choose to not listen to country music because I think God will be mad at me or a condemnation if I do. There's enough garbage in their words that I don't want to have to deal with in my life. There's enough emotionalism and sorrow and depression and tears in the beers that I don't want in me getting in the way of my harvest, it's not worth my time to listen to it. My, my, my spiritual energy is more valuable than to have to spend it casting down the imaginations that the worldly songs produce. My is important than to have to use it dealing with fear that certain, certain television shows used to produce in me. I just quit watching the shows and I don't have to deal with it. I don't watch it so it's not there for me. I would get into prayer and find myself rethinking the storyline from that murder mystery. 
It wasn't cussing. It wasn't nudity. It wasn't anything that uh, some, many Christians watch it and say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. They don't cuss. They're, yeah, but there was enough fear brought to me out of it that I had to spend 20 minutes casting down that fear to get over into faith about something. If I don't have to cast it down, that's 20 minutes extra of progress I've made in the spirit realm that I've used towards the good. Hallelujah. So with the measure you measure, it'll be measured to you again. And to you, unto you that hear, a more be given. Now the hearing is uh, I'm hearing and I'm retaining what I've heard. I'm acting on it. I'm doing it. For he that has what you've been hearing, for he that has in your possession what you've been hearing, you're still holding it, you're retaining it, you're, you're building your life on it, to him shall more be given. Why? Because if you take a student through the alphabet, refuse to retain the alphabet, you can't take them into any further stage of reading. You have to send them back to the grade to do the alphabet again. The reason that some high school students can't do algebra is the reason I had. I did not master my multiplication tables and my division. All of the other kids, I had changed schools during that time when the multiplication tables were being taught at my school. And so when I went to the next school, they, uh, and, and they were at a different stage and they were already over into pre-algebra and I still had to count with my fingers. I was still doing fingers to count my math facts. And all of the other students could look at it and, and tell you from memory the multiplication fact. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, seven times eight is what? How did you know it was 56? I don't understand. Because they memorized it. They had mastered that. They should have sent me back to master my multiplication and then tried to take me through because when they were in algebra, they were popping off the answers and they knew what to do and I was still trying to count it on my fingers. Seven, eight times, you know? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three. That works in our faith. If you don't have it at one level, he can't take you into the next level. To him who has shall more be given. I can take you in to teach you how to read if you've mastered the alphabet sounds, your phonetics. If you can tell me what the A sounds like, then I can teach you that this word is cat. If you can, if you can tell me who you are in Christ, I can teach you what your inheritance is. If you can tell me that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, I can explain to you your authority in Jesus' name. But if, if a person... See, see, there's some basics to him that has shall more be given. If I have the understanding that I, I'm learning here, then he can give me more understanding. The, the idea here is not stuff. The idea here is hearing and understanding and revelation. To him that has in their possession, what they've already heard, the revelation of what they've already heard from the Word. He's revealed it to me and I've kept it alive in me. Now He can teach me more. Now He can show me more. But to him that has not, who looks in the mirror, 
The hearer is hearing the same word that the doer is hearing. But they're hearing it and forgetting what they heard. Why? Because they haven't retained it and acted on it. They haven't owned it. They haven't brought it in their possession and says, that's me. That's who I am. And then acted in line with it. They've heard it and said, yeah, that's in the Bible. Yeah, God said that. Yeah, Jesus gave that. But they haven't said, he gave it to me. It's mine now. I'm righteous. I have authority. I don't have to put up with that. I'm the boss here. No fear is going to push me around here. It, when, that, when it becomes yours, now you can work it. Work that ponytail. Y'all ever heard me tell that? There's some comedian. I don't even know if this comedian, anything about it. But my, my daughter just had a clip, and uh, my younger, uh, second to youngest now, she, she would watch it, and, and his, his tagline was, Girl, work that ponytail. You know, you got to work that ponytail. Some, you got to get that word in you, and you got to work it. You got to put it to work. It's yours. Own it. Own that ponytail. Own that, own that scripture. Own that promise. Hallelujah. To him that has, to him shall be given. And to him that has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Why? Because he's looked in the mirror. James said he's looked in the mirror and he forgot what manner of man he was. So it's taken from him. It's taken from him, not, not by God, but by his lack of receiving it. That's the wayside soil. The wayside soil heard it, and it was never received into the heart. It was, it was seed by the, the, the side of the road. It's not even in the dirt. It's just on the side, the hard-packed, side of the road that can't grow anything. But we look into the perfect law of liberty and we continue therein. Not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his, the King James says deed, the center column identifies that word means in his doing. We're blessed in the doing of the word. We're blessed in acting on the word. It's the word that you do, the word that you act on. That's why they said to him, Lord, whoo, increase our faith. You mean I got to forgive that many times? 70 times 7, are you serious? You need to increase my I'm going to need faith for that. You got to help me, Jesus. Increase our faith. And Jesus said if you had faith, you'd act on it. You'd say. If you had faith, you'd say. He said, he said, unforgiveness can be moved, can be dealt with by believing and speaking, acting on it. If you had faith, you'd say, be plucked up and planted, not cast, planted. You know the difference between something that's, plucked, or that's cast into the sea and something that's planted in the sea? If it's cast into the sea, it might come back up on my shore. But if it's planted in the sea, it's stuck there. It's rooted there. It's not coming back to me. Jesus said, you need to say, unforgiveness, you're not haunting me anymore. You're not tormenting me anymore. You're not bothering me anymore. You be plucked up out of my heart and be planted in the sea. Don't come back to me. 
I forgive. I forgive. He said, if you had faith, you'd act on it. If you had faith, you'd say. Well, saying is acting on it. It's acting on what I believe. That's why the woman kept saying. It said that she came through the press because she kept saying. Her saying was the first release of her faith, and then it propelled her and directed her in the direction of what she was saying. She said, I'm going to touch, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. It directed her in the, in, in the acting. We're doers of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we determine in our hearts not to be hearers only. We are hearers, but hearers who act on what we hear. We are hearers who receive the word. And we hold it in our hearts. We maintain our possession of it. We receive it and we receive it, holding it in our possession until it comes forth in manifestation, the fruit of the word, the manifestation of our healing, the manifestation of our prosperity, the manifestation. Father, we hold it and uh, we hold it and receive full manifestation. And Father, we determine to be even more diligent in the hearing and the doing, more diligent to give our attention in a greater measure. Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice hearing this message speaking to their hearts today that they would be bringing forth the full measure of fruitfulness from the word they're hearing that they would hold on to that word until they receive a complete and, and full measure multiplication of it, manifestation of it. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we are fruitful where your word is concerned. We are fruitful in the hearing and doing of your word. We are doers, not moved by the feelings of the attack that the enemy might bring, but only moved on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God.